0: Every little
1: thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing
2: that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you will be fine without it
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are The Minimalists. Have you ever owned an item that you wanted to declutter, but you held on to it because you might want to pass it on to a relative in the future? Or has anyone in your family ever passed down a supposed heirloom to you that you didn't want? Today on the public episode of The Minimalist Podcast, we're talking about generational junk. Why we end up with so much stuff from other people, where it comes from, and what to do about it. Then, this Thursday on The Minimalist Private Podcast, Ryan and I are going to discuss a new concept that we're calling Monday Minimalism. And we'll look at 20 different ways to start decluttering today. You can check that out at patreon.com slash The Minimalists. Your support keeps our podcast and YouTube channel 100% advertisement free because advertisements suck. So we usually start with listener questions, Mm -hmm. but this title generational junk.
2: Mm.
0: We'll get to the listener questions in a second. This title actually came from our talented filmmaker, videographer, video man, and editor, and so much more. Jordan, no more. He, uh, well, he had an experience recently where he had to deal with some generational junk, and he, and I, he, and I were having this conversation here at the studio last week. Mm. And well, Jordan, I'll let you pick up the story from there.
1: Take it away, video man. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, uh, unfortunately wasn't a big surprise but my grandmother passed away uh in february Mm. and we're in april now and i was inherited i inherited uh her condo but also i inherited everything that was inside the condo
2: Mm.
1: and one of the interesting things that i found when i was sifting through things were bins of not her stuff but not her mother's stuff, but her mother's mother's stuff. So your great-great-grandmother's stuff. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. do know she was that great? <laughs> <laughs> she was really into she Jordan, great. I can only assume. Keep my grandmother's name. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keep my great-great-grandmother's yeah. name.
1: <laughs> no, I, I found a stack of yearbooks that go back to 1907. Oh, my wow. goodness. That's it, it wild. It tripped me out because I was in high school in 2007. And years. I saw the the yearbook had, z, you know, zero 07. Oh. And I was like, wait, a, and then I open it, and it's all these black and white photos of people looking like, you know, tin-type photos yeah. from the Old West, basically. You know? right. Oh, wow. And I realized that these are from Grand Rapids, Iowa, or Cedar Rapids, Iowa. These all go back to the farmhouse that my family like bought when they came back on the Mayflower or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Mayflower landed around somewhere in 1907, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a really keen understanding of, of American history. Yeah,
2: no, that's, wow, that's crazy. That would be hard. Yeah, that would that would be hard for me to let go of, man. Like there there you have all that, yeah, these history books essentially of your family. Dude, yeah. that's crazy. All right, so how did you approach it? Well, you set them on fire. You're like, I'm a minimalist, uh, so I'm burning them. <laughs>
1: I mean, my, i here's the problem, hmm. is it's not just me, that the, this is the complicated nature of the problem of of having a family and, and being inherited, uh, inheriting hmm. a, lots of stuff like this, especially the older, older stuff like that. It's, there's, yeah, there's piles of junk. This place, she was, my grandmother was a hoarder. Mm-hmm. So there's just stuff that you could get rid of, but these books and things, it's like, I have to talk to everyone in the family. And yeah. there's kind of a lot of, like, do you want this? Do you want that? My initial instinct is give it to the library or the yeah. history museum in, in Iowa. Like, think yeah. how old, those books are old. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think I think one of the problems we run into here, Jordan, and anyone else who's listening to this, is when you inherit things like this, you inherit some family heirlooms, some sentimental items, some things that are valuable to you and your family. Unfortunately, when you inherit hundreds of thousands of things from someone who was a hoarder or a borderline hoarder or just a collector of stuff, quite often many of those things get in the way and we don't know what to do. And so you'll find that there were some things you really find useful or valuable or sentimental that you want to keep. But because you have so many things they are watered down or even you don't even know which things you want to keep because you're overwhelmed Mm. with this generational junk.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was going to say about all of the. I lost my train of thought. Well, (laughs) that's all right, man. (laughs) I'm that overwhelmed by all this generational junk. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, yeah, I'm
2: curious, like, because there is a certain responsibility I would feel as well coming across all this to go to my family and be like, hey, yeah. they're all the grandma or great-great-grandma or whatever had all this stuff. What do we do with it? So, did your family, did they give you permission to let it go? Did they like tell you you needed to hold on to it? Did they take some stuff? Like, how did they? Well,
1: I, um, I was, when, when everyone initially found out that she had passed, I found out, or I, I read, I heard from about five different people about very specific little things. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. I don't know where all those little specific things oh, are.
2: Oh, yeah. So
1: now I'm searching for needles in the haystack. Mm. Uh, and on the way, I keep finding things like these books. Like I found a coin collection. Mm. And I was telling you about the coin collection too. Some of them might be worth like 10 grand a piece of coins. So wow. I'm like, now I'm getting, I'm starting to have this crazy amount of piles of things that I'm like, I don't know if I want to get rid of these. Yeah, Because I might, there might actually, Why knowing, you worth something? being, uh, you know, doing the research, I'm like, Oh, eh, those might be worth something. But mm. now it's weighing me down. Yeah. Because I live in a, you know, one bedroom apartment in LA.
0: Mm. Right. And I brought some of that stuff back and I'm like, mm. geez. And you could have brought all of it back. You simply don't have the space for it. Yeah. Right. And it's hard to sort through while it's there because there's so much stuff. Like I remember when I was dealing with my mom's stuff and I wrote about this and everything that remains, like just dealing with the, it took me 12 days to just. It, non-stop, like all day, 12 days. And she wasn't really a hoarder the way you're describing it. Just all day, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours a day going yep. through those things, sorting through them, and eventually finding a system to get rid of a lot of this generational junk. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Before we get to our questions from the audience, Jordan, is there anything else you want to add to the story?
1: Oh, yeah. So I, I will finish up with... um I was gesturing, uh, that, that when at a certain point I was going sifting through this stuff and I had, I had a friend helping me with, you know, throwing things away. And at a certain point I'm like, okay, I'm just going to call like you did, you know, in the documentary, the initial story of the minimalist, the, the yeah. founding story. Uh, I just called two guys in a truck mm. and I said, come and take these big things. So they took, uh, I think it was nine, like, old 50s-era dressers that Mm -hmm. are just heavy. Mm -hmm. They took nine and then three beds, three mattresses, three frames. And the crazy part is when they got rid of that stuff, I looked around in the apartment, I'm like, I feel like there's more stuff in here. (laughs) Because underneath all of those and inside of them was just little trinkets. And then Mm -hmm. so the piles got bigger.
0: Yeah, the, the things behind our things are mm-hmm. within our things. So as we start to get rid of the things, it exposes more things. And you realize like, oh, this is this is rotten in many ways, yeah. this whole scenario. It's like when you see a little bit of black mold on the outside of a wall, you know what's behind that wall yeah. is a disaster. And the same thing is true with this generational junk which we're going to talk about now. And also on the Maximal episode this Thursday, Ryan, we have some of our audience, some of our kind patrons have talked about some of their generational Mm. junk that they're dealing with. So we'll have some additional questions over there on Thursday as well, in addition to those 20 ways to start decluttering today and Monday minimalism. So Ruth has a question for us.
3: How do you tell your relatives that you don't want their generational junk? Is there a diplomatic way to say no when emotions are involved?
0: Is there a diplomatic hmm. way? Mm.
2: Well, yeah. maybe the, the, the better context instead of diplomatic is, is there a compassionate way to say no? And I think like whenever, uh, I don't know, whenever a family member offers me something yeah. that I know that I'm not going to use, Like I I don't come at it from a, I'm a minimalist, I can't do that. I come at it from a compassionate, hey, this isn't going to, I know this means a lot to you, but it doesn't mean a lot to me. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, when my Oma try to give me that paperweight. God love her. (laughs) It was like, I could tell it meant a lot to her. It was still in the box. And she's like, Oh yeah, you're a writer. So you
0: must, there must be papers everywhere. You need a paperweight. Now did (laughs) remind me, did she buy that paperweight for you? Or was it something she had had for a long time?
2: Something she just had for a long time. Waiting for the perfect person to give it to.
0: Waiting to weigh (laughs) you down. Right. Funny how it was a
2: literal paperweight. Yes. But yeah, I mean like I can, I can only speak to my experience with, um, you know, with 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 that situation happening to me, and when that situation happened to me, I said, "Oma, I love you. I can tell that you are giving me this because you care for me. You want to help me. You want to add value to my life. You're trying to make me uh, happier, more organized." I said, um, "In order for me to be more organized and happier, I I actually can't take that because I don't I don't really have a use for that. It'll just sit there and be a literal paperweight on no papers." Yes. And then she and finally she, understood
0: yeah. after you explained it to yeah, her. Yeah, she
2: was like, oh, okay. I said, if you want, though, I can find it a really good home. Mm. She was like, yeah, that would be good. Can you find it a good home for me? I said, sure. So then I donated it. Yeah. And I'm sure someone bought that paperweight and they're very happy with it.
0: Jordan?
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I could I could chime in on uh, this question. From the really personal standpoint, I was really close with my grandma. Mm. And from her standpoint of all of this collecting of stuff it wasn't about she wasn't hoarding for herself she thought she was coming at it from a a uh helpful for the family like Mm. perspective she she kept like collecting things that she thought that we would want and need in the future Mm. so a lot of like weird stuff there was duplicates and duplicates of things i threw away like 15 different types of coffee makers like because over time she's like you know older lady yeah. She's, she knows I like coffee. She keeps getting coffee makers. Right. <laughs> well, what was a good deal in a coffee yeah. maker? There's See, another is, good deal in a coffee yeah. maker. Yeah. This is
0: mistaking the tool mm. for the function of the tool, yeah. right? Yeah. If, the more, if you buy a bag of hammers, it doesn't make you a better carpenter. It simply weighs you down. And the same is true if you're, Ryan and I own a coffee shop. Imagine, if we, well, you know what, Ryan? We need 18 espresso machines. Right. No, they would just get in the way of making coffee. which is actually what we want to do. And so quite often we mistake these tools as inherently valuable, but Mm -hmm. the value is in what we do with those tools. Mm -hmm. Now, Ruth, I want to caution you that emotion is always going to be involved in these things. If it wasn't, then compassion wouldn't even be required, right? right? And they wouldn't be sentimental. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a, a sentimental item is sentimental because of the emotion we associate with it, mm-hmm. and that's what if some what, what, if one of Ryan's family members passed away and they left him some things, they may be some of those things may be sentimental to him. They mm-hmm. would not have the same sentimental meaning to me, because I don't have the same emotional attachment to those things. Attachment Mm -hmm. isn't wrong. It isn't bad, but understanding the clinging nature of our attachment, well, and our clinging nature to the outcomes that we want here Mm -hmm. is something that often makes us miserable. So Mm -hmm. Ruth, how do we have this conversation Well, as Tony Robbins says, it's better to kill Godzilla when he's a baby than when he's taking over the city, right? Mm -hmm. And Jordan, unfortunately, had to wait until Godzilla was taking over his city, right? It already uh, subsumed his grandma's city, so to speak. And and in the wake of that disaster, sort of left behind a lot of things, some of which Jordan will find immense value in. Mm -hmm. But the whole experience becomes much less valuable when... Well, when you have to deal with a lot of the junk yeah. that's in the way. yeah. Let's move on to our callers. If you have a question or comment for our podcast, give us a call 406-219-7839 or email a voice memo to podcast at com. It looks like Brandon in Minneapolis has a question for us.
4: I'm a pack rat and I come from a long line of pack rattery. And I would say it goes back... You know, at least three generations, as many generations as I have ever known, uh, probably more. Um, So the last few years, my wife and I have been able to take the steps and really uh, get the ball rolling on simplifying our own lives. Um, But now I really worry about my parents because in the past few years, a few of my grandparents have passed away and moved on. And my parents, um just because of the situation, they are going to have to deal with everything, not just um their own things, but my grandparents' things as well. This includes houses, garages, storage sheds, and even an entire ranch just filled with clutter so it's an overwhelming task, and i you know i I've, I've tried to to help out where I can, um, but at this point, it's—I don't know that it's really welcome. And um, so, on top of it being frustrating, it's—it's it's a very emotional experience because not only are my parents dealing with their own possessions that they've acquired, but now um, they have to deal with basically, you know, several lifetimes coming together. So, my one remaining grandmother um she she's dealing with alzheimer's and um so she's been living with her parents and uh, my parents have decided that it would be best for her to finish out her time here if they were all to move back to her house and so they're going to be combining those two households which already they're carrying a lot of things so uh one of you said uh, you mentioned that Sometimes it's our job to brainwash our kids, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts or tips on possibly brainwashing our parents or others, um, you know, that just mean that much to us.
0: I don't remember saying brainwash your. This sounds like something Ryan would say jokingly in jest. Yeah, yeah. right. He doesn't actually mean to brainwash your kids, and I know I can tell from the spirit of Brandon's question. You're approaching this in a way that it's a really difficult subject, and so you're bringing some levity into it, Brandon. I really appreciate that because it's overwhelming. And before we started recording this, we're doing a a live stream with our patrons here. Shout out to the live stream. Leave your uh, comments or questions in the chat. We'll get to them as soon as we can. But podcast Sean was talking about when his grandmother died in 2013, Mm -hmm. he realized that he was burdened by a lot of her stuff. She didn't realize he was gonna be burdened by. In fact, she was holding on to a lot of these things, clinging to these things Mm. so that Sean and his family and his extended family would have access to them, not knowing that he might be burdened by them. But Sean, Mm. what was the outcome when you finally had to start dealing with her stuff? What did you realize? Well, I should clarify too. It was actually
5: 2014 when she passed, but my father passed in 2013. So it was like back to back. And my mm-hmm. dad and her, um, kind of like you, I mean, had were highly organized. This was really clean. They mm-hmm. were clean, fastidiously clean people. Just did a really good job at hiding just how much stuff they had and packing this stuff away. Um, and so, yeah, that's the thing we did not really realize with my grandmother, because she was by herself at this point when she passed. And when we went in there and started cleaning that house out and getting it prepped, you know, to, to sell, mm-hmm. all I could think to myself, and this is before we really worked together as, you know, as part of the minimalist team, that was until, you know, late 2014, early 2015. Um, but I kept thinking to myself as I'm going through and finding another thing and another thing and another thing and just deeper and deeper, right, and things that are obviously brand new that she completely forgot about. I thought, oh man, this is so much work. I don't want to do this to my kids. I don't want to do this to any of my survivors. I don't want them to go through my stuff and be the same way, right? Just feeling that burden and putting that burden on someone else. And they don't, I'm sure she wasn't thinking that right. I mean, she came from a generation of growing up in, the depression and they were thinking oh i better say this i'm probably gonna need it later yeah or somebody's gonna need it later 100 yeah but
2: well it's interesting because <clears throat> sean came to that conclusion himself through experiencing going through his his relatives uh who have passed like going through their things and that is that's the only brainwashing I'm joking
0: and doing air quotes. I just want to be very clear right now to who, who people who aren't watching this. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually gonna have on the Maximum episode this week, we're gonna have someone who is accusing us of being very cult like. So oh, yeah. uh that uh, one will be fun.
2: I yeah, I uh we I think we are a little cultish. After talking to Amanda Montal, I mean we all belong to some sort of cult. Anyway, um yeah, so so yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Brainwashing comes along with uh, with being in a cult. Uh-huh. Um, but but look, Sh- Sean brainwashed himself essentially. Uh-huh. That's what happened. Yes. and you know, for us to sit here and be like, well, here's how here's how you can manipulate your relatives into getting rid of their stuff. Like that's Josh and I are not. Um, we're not encouraging you to manipulate. We're not oh. encouraging you to brainwash. The only thing that Josh and I really are encouraging people to do in this a situation, like this, is is to be supportive. And that's the only way you can really get through uh, to anyone in this type of situation. It's how can you help them, and and when they ask for help, then be at the ready to help them. Uh, I mean, I, I've got relatives who, and 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 you know, uh, Mariah has relatives who are uh, who hold on to stuff. And like, I don't go to their house and judge them. Um, I don't try to brainwash them. Um, some of them have asked for help and then I'll give them some ideas and, and, and try to help them out. But but there is no brainwashing in this. The, the, the No one likes to be manipulated. Uh-huh. So um, so yeah, it, it's this is more of a matter of how can you support your relatives? How can you be compassionate towards your relatives? And then it's not even nudging them. It's more about
0: just being there when they are asked for help, like be at the ready to help them. I agree that we don't want to brainwash anyone. Right. However, I understand where he's coming from. I need to convey this so I'm not burdened by this stuff. And Mm so instead of convincing them that they have too much stuff, because convincing doesn't work either. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And Mm -hmm. that certainly goes for your parents. What I'll say here is you can help them understand. Mm -hmm. Right now, they don't understand that this stuff is a burden. Or if they do, they don't understand the gravity Mm -hmm. of that burden. Mm -hmm. They might realize, like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit of stuff. They'll have to sort through it. But it's better for the whole family if we hold on to these things. That's Mm -hmm. the story they're telling themselves. But if you ask them some very pointed questions, compassionate, kind questions. Mm -hmm. I feel for you and where you are right now, Brandon, because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be burdened by these things. And so I wouldn't go to it in a way that's saying no, no, no. I would go to it in a way that helps them understand that if they hold on to too many things, Mm -hmm. what they're doing is weighing your future self down. Mm -hmm. So let's talk practically what you can do. You can tell them, hey, there are some things that you own right now that I would love to inherit. That's Mm -hmm. how you say yes to them holding on to some stuff. So don't just hop in there. And this goes to Ruth and her question earlier as well. You don't want to just hop in there and say, no, no, no. You walk out of the house, you look at all the stuff. No to that. No to that. No, 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 no. I don't want your stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not helpful. Mm -hmm. But what if you go to the house and say, oh, wow, look at these 12 things. I would Mm -hmm. really like to hold on to that and that and that. Hey, what about this dresser? No, I don't, I don't have any use for that personally, but someone else might find value in it. Mm. Let's see if anyone else in the family is interested in that. Mm. I was talking to my wife about this just yesterday. I said, when your parents pass away, you know, thankfully they're really healthy and they'll be here for a long time. But eventually they will we all die and mm. there will be some stuff. How is your family going to handle that? Are they going to feel compelled to give it all to you? And she said, no, I think some of my family will find value in many of those things, but we're not going to fight over those things, but we're also not going to force other people to take the things mm. that we don't want. Yeah, And I thought that was a really mature perspective here, because really when we're talking about inheriting, there are some things we want to inherit, sure, but most of the things we have no desire to be burdened by mm. in the first place. So you can set that expectation right now by saying yes to the things you know you want mm-hmm. and allowing them to pass on the other things that someone else will get value from. Because just because you're not going to get value from the thing doesn't mean that someone else won't get value from it. And they might even get value from it now. So letting go of it right now or this year or soon will mean that it's not taking up space, not collecting dust, mm. not Being treated like a dead thing in a mausoleum, Mm -hmm. it can have a new life in someone else's house. Mm. And how freeing is that? Mm.
5: Yeah, I just want to pipe in real quick,
0: because
5: this reminded me, as you were talking about this, um, when I was in grad school for education, I took an ed psych course. And in ed psych, one of the things they say is, you don't want to tell students, this is how we learn as humans, don't tell students what you don't want them to do. Emphasize what you want them to do. Emphasize the positive behavior. Incentivize, don't punish.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. What, what a great point. Yep. Hey, Brandon, I would love to send you two things. One is well tomorrow and the next day, so the, uh, Tuesday, or no Wednesday, Thursday on April twenty seventh and twenty eighth, where we have the last two tour stops and the Love People Use Things tour. Yeah. in America, we're going to be in Chicago and Minneapolis. I'd love to give you a couple tickets or maybe even a few extra tickets if you'd like. Maybe you can bring the family with you, (laughs) Brandon, to our Minneapolis event. We'll be in Chicago and Minneapolis finishing the American version of the Love People Use Things Tour. Ryan gives a talk about minimalism. I'll do a reading from our book Love People Use Things, and we'll do a live version of the Minimalist podcast in your city. There are still a few tickets left for both cities. You can find those at theminimalists.com slash tour. We also have a couple stops in Canada scheduled for later this year in Toronto and Vancouver, if you'd like. And you can find all of our previous tour stops there as well. theminimalists.com slash tour. And while we're at it, we're talking about dealing with dead people's stuff. Well, my mom died. That was really the beginning of, of all of this for us, the minimalism thing. And I wrote mm. about that journey in detail in our second book, Everything That Remains. So if you like our podcast, I think you'll enjoy the audiobook version of Everything That Remains or Podcast John can reach out to you and get you a ebook or book book of Everything That Remains if you'd like. We'll tune into the live stream really quick. We've got a couple questions here. What do you got for us?
3: We have a question from Mike. My mother is 60 now and is wanting to hand down so many things that mean a lot to her mm. but don't mean anything to me. How can I support her without absorbing her stuff?
2: Mm. Yeah, that's it's <clears throat> it's hard to look at someone and say, "Hey, I know that that means something <laughs> to you, but that doesn't really have any sentimental meaning for me." Um I I go back to the compassion piece of it. It's like how can you be compassionate with with your 60-year-old mother and say, "Hey, thank you for the sentiment?" Um I don't really have a place for that in my home, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe I could find it a good home. If if you really, if it means a lot to you, I could find, you know, someone else who it might mean a lot to, but yeah, it's, it's never easy to say no, but I'll tell you the, the difficulty of saying no upfront is a lot easier to deal with than the later difficulty of saying yes to everything.
0: Right. Right. Because if we say yes to everything, all of a sudden we're, burdened by a heap of things we wish we would have said no to Mm -hmm. here's what i'll say mike and first off thank you for being a patreon supporter and i'm sorry that you feel the sort of future burden of these things and i totally get it man here's what i'll say if it's a thing or a handful of things that's probably not the problem the problem is when it becomes a pattern of things Mm. a entire home full of things, a room full of things, a thing full of things, a dresser that has more things in it, right? All of these things that are essentially paperweights in our lives. And as you alluded to, Ryan, sometimes someone will impart a meaning to something and they think that meaning is intrinsic to the thing. And Mm -hmm. I get why it feels like that thing is incredibly meaningful. Mm -hmm. But for Mike, It doesn't have an inherent meaning, right? Mm. For him, it is a piece of junk. Mm -hmm. And so the compassionate way is not to say, hey, this has no meaning. Because then it feels like a judgment. It feels like an affront. Mm. It feels as though I'm saying you're wrong for finding meaning in that thing. Yeah. Instead, you can simply say that, hey, I don't, have any particular use for that thing. I don't have any room for that Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that it's incredibly meaningful for you. Mm -hmm. And if you say that, I see you is what we're saying. Well, what is love? Mm -hmm. To love someone is to see them for who they are. And part of who they are is the meaning they give to things or relationships or experiences, Mm -hmm. seeing the whole version of that person. Mm -hmm. I see you. I see that that thing is meaningful to you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's also okay that I don't associate the same meaning to that thing. But I recognize that it's added tremendous value to your life. And I have yeah. no judgment about that yeah. whatsoever.
2: And Mike, it is po- completely possible to say no and still show them gratitude for, you know, their, their sentiment behind what they're trying to do. I mean, uh, just as Josh is saying, I mean, giving them the gratitude is showing them like, hey, i I respect you i I see where you're coming from
0: um thank you, but no thank you yes yeah yeah and, and you can thank them in a way that is sincere, yeah that is genuine that is authentic mm-hmm. and you can see them and you can ask them about it. I think one of the other ways to approach this is say your mom has these five things that are really sentimental
2: mm-hmm.
0: have her talk about those things mm-hmm. record her talking about those things, yeah mm-hmm. I could tell you. Our friend Max Lugavere, he's working on a new documentary. When his mom died, he recorded so many of the end-of-life conversations he had with her over the last few years of her life. Mm. And, man, I wish I would have done that with my mom. Mm. As opposed to having an apartment full of stuff, I could have had these documented conversations with her. I essentially could have done one-on-one podcasts before... I knew what podcasts even were. Mm. I could have done that with her. And that Mm. would have been so much more meaningful to me Mm -hmm. than holding on to her Queen Anne bed or some silverware or some doilies. Mm. right? So, Mike, thanks again. Shout out to the live stream. We'll get to more of your questions on the Maximal episode. But right now, Ryan, what time is it?
2: You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, Minimal maxims dot com looks like we have a question here from anne
3: i'm trying to get rid of a family antique but a local museum isn't interested and no other relatives want it how do i let go of a piece of my family's history
0: jordan brought this up earlier with respect to many times we can get rid of the things by giving them to a curator mm-hmm. so the yearbooks great example of that your local library might really want those yearbooks. Mm-hmm. In fact, your local library might want the hundreds or thousands of books that your grandma held on to. They may have a use for many of them, and even if they don't have a specific use there, their l- larger library system mm-hmm. might have a use for them. And even then, if they don't have a use for one of the books or a hundred of the books, they are better equipped to dispose of those books after sorting through them mm-hmm. than you personally disposing of those things. There are many charities that are able to do the same thing. Local Goodwill, I know Goodwill is a giant organization, but many of their, all of their sort of satellite locations are individual community-based centers Mm -hmm. that... Help the local community. So by giving them things that they are able to repurpose and sell, not all of them they are able to repurpose and sell, but giving them things that they can sell actually helps your local community. Keeping those things in a basement or a storage locker helps no one at all. But Ann, I have a pithy answer for you that i like to talk about. Letting go of excess helps us hold on to what's important. Now, Danny and I were having this conversation earlier that um, sometimes if we renounce something, we're forever tied to it. That's what Mm. Anthony DeMello says. Mm -hmm. And so anytime we're saying, no, 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 no excess stuff, I want no material possessions. Well, now I'm uh, that's a type of consumerism. It's like inverted consumerism in a way. Right. Before, I was so tied to my stuff because I wanted more. I wanted the gold watch. I wanted the luxury car. I wanted the big house. I wanted more toilets than people. I wanted all of the stuff. And so I was so tied to it. It was complex. I was interwoven Mm, into the stuff. mm. And now the desire to renounce the stuff now ties me to the stuff that I get dragged by the renunciation of it. I was getting dragged by the stuff before. Now I get dragged by the stuff now. And so... We can hold on to things without clinging to the things. We can hold on to the things we get value from. So if there's someone in your family, like, or they have a family antique they want to pass down, mm. you can hold on to it if you get value from it. Mm-hmm. But a willingness to let go means that you're not renouncing it, but you can give it up at any time. You're no longer attached to it. It's the analogy of climbing the monkey bars Mm -hmm. and in order to move on you have to let go but you also just as importantly have to be able to hold on if my daughter can only hold on to the monkey bars she's stuck she can't go anywhere Mm -hmm. but if she can't hold on at all well then she just slips off and she falls and she hurts herself the key is to be able to hold on and then let go and then hold on and then let go and then hold on and let go. That's how we get through life.
2: Yeah, man. Oh, my pithy answer is this. You needn't own an object to experience it. So you've got a sentimental thing, a piece of your family's history. Um, yeah, I love the idea of, uh, you know, maybe taking a picture of it and then, yeah, recording, you know, a family member talking about that piece. You can still experience that history. You don't have to own the object to experience the history. You know, it's interesting that the question that they're asking here—it's a difficult one. I don't want to hold on to it, uh, and I only want to let it go if. Oh. And it's like conditional. Yeah, it's conditional, which isn't necessarily bad or anything. Like that's not a value judgment. It's just it just is, and the way it is with those. Parameters with that with that context, it's going to be very difficult to let go of it. So, um, you called one local place. They said no. Great. Um, call some antique shops. See if they're willing to you know maybe sell it or have it on consignment. It sounds like you want to find it a really good home. You can do that, uh, but it is gonna it's gonna take a lot of work to find that that thing a good home. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's up to you on how much work you want to put into it. But yeah, it, I mean. It, there's an either or here. I don't want to let go of it and the museum doesn't want it, so
0: now what? It's like, well, that's... that. That's Those are two really bad options. You have to look for more options. It's almost like you're accepting defeat. Yeah. It's the... Uh, I've tried everything. Really, name the th- everything. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I did these two things over and, <laughs> over and over and over. Right. And I'm not saying that Anne did that, but quite often, we feel like we've tried everything because mm-hmm. we did put in effort for a few hours. Yes. And it sucked because we got rejected and they said mm-hmm. no and I'm sorry they said no to you, Anne, but... The good news is there's more than two or three options. Yeah. And the truth is, if we have tried everything, we would have gotten the result we wanted. Yeah. And Because everything means I'm willing to keep trying until I get the result that I want. Yeah. Before we move on to some listener comments and tips... Let's move on to our right here, right now segment, Ryan. This is one thing going on in the life of the minimalist. Actually, I got two this week. I got an update about the schools that we are providing curriculum to. So Ryan and I, we decided to support 100 students personally, but then our hometown, Dayton, Ohio, we said, hey, we want to teach every kid financial literacy the foundations of personal finance. We want to help every kid in and around Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. stay out of debt. So every middle schooler, every high schooler, and you can contribute to that at theminimalists.com slash education. Ryan and I contributed our own money to fund the first 100 students. It's $25 for a middle school student, $45 for a high school student. Up until right now, That was only available for people to donate in the United States. But now anyone worldwide, and we found out about 30% of the people who go to the page, they're international. People were like, hey, I'm in the UK, or I'm in Australia, or I'm in Brazil, and I want to contribute to this wonderful cause. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to. Mm. Well, now you can. Same webpage, theminimalists.com slash education. You can find all the details over there. You can help us help some kids stay out of debt and not borrow from their future. You can do that whether you're in Dayton, you're anywhere in North America, or you're anywhere in the world, theminimalists.com slash education. And uh, by the way, we're going to be on the Dave Ramsey show uh, next week, I believe, or a couple weeks from now. You can stop in and say hi to us. Uh, I think there's, a, you have to put a link to this in the show notes, Sean. They have to like announce they're going to come there. It's free to show up. We'll give out hugs and all that other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But Dave Ramsey, they, you can come and like they have a whole lobby there where you can watch the show live. So every day they have like 50 to 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 people show up Mm -hmm. and watch the Ramsey show live. We'll be there on Monday, May 9th. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to attend that. It is free to attend. And uh, real quick, one other thing. I have a writing class called How to Write Better, and we just started an Instagram account for How to Write Better with some writing tips over there, some free writing tips. It's just at How to Write Better. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Also, I've got a free book that you can download called 15 Ways to Write Better. You can find that over at howtowritebetter.org. Alabama. What else you got for us?
3: Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name is Perry. I'm calling in response to Christina from the Neo-Minimalism podcast. Um, One way that I've found to introduce friction to online buying is with passwords. So I will either just delete all of the saved passwords in my uh, computer or phone, or I will change the password on a site and I'll write it down and put it someplace where I have to actually go get it if I want to buy something from that website. So that way I have to um,
0: really want to uh, buy something. Otherwise, I go to sign in and I'm just like no way, this is too much work." Um, So that's a really easy way to prevent yourself
3: from impulse buying.
4: Hi, my name's Teresa and I'm calling from Indianapolis and I just found your podcast so I'm going through them randomly and this is about podcast number 92. Somebody mentioned they had a lot of papers and they mentioned medical. I just retired from working in medical records in an oncology office. Please, please obtain and keep your own medical records. Uh, scan them into a secure file. The law only requires medical facilities to keep those for seven years. And if a doctor can't verify your previous diagnosis and treatment, it could affect your current treatment and treatment plan. So please take care of your medical records. Make them available for your next doctor.
0: All right, y'all, before we get to our added value segment, one more thing. It's the end of the month. That means a brand new month is right around the corner. It's time for the 30-day minimalism game. You can download a free calendar over on our website, theminimalists.com slash game. Over there, you can find all the details. It's a free game to play. You partner up with someone, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a grandmother. Immortal enemy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> or an immortal enemy. <laughs> what if your grandma is your immortal enemy? <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at the beginning of the month, you partner up with your grandma, your cousin, your mother, your spouse, a co-worker, etc. And you both agree to get rid of some stuff. We know that decluttering can be a bit boring. Uh, A bit drab, a bit, oh, I don't want to clean out my closet today. Totally get that. So Ryan and I found a way to make it a bit more fun. We call it the 30-day minimalism game. Here's how it works. As soon as you partner up with someone on the first day, you each get rid of one item. Now, before that, you've already made a bet. You've bet $100, $1,000, a (laughs) $1,000,000. Maybe it's just a movie. Yeah, or maybe I'll (laughs) do the laundry for you this week. People are going to movies these days, right? I mean, movies still exist. Okay. (laughs) are movie theaters still around (laughs) yes indeed i was at one recently oh man yeah and so uh, you partner up with someone you make a friendly wager for a dollar or a meal or laundry etc and first day of the month you each get rid of one item second day of the month two items third day of the month three items so forth and so on starts off really easy to get you that momentum you need to let go however I found around day 12 is when it's really starts to get difficult because it's like, man, I just got rid of 11 things yesterday, and then today I have to get rid of 12 things, and wait a minute, tomorrow I have to get rid of 13 things, and you keep going. Whoever goes the longest wins. If you both make it to the end of the month, then you've both won because you've gotten rid of nearly 500 items, and that is an amazing start. Now, we've had some people in our minimalist.org meetup groups, Ryan. They have kept it going for many months. Oh, yeah. Some people, they'll I'm on day 34 35 36 or one of my favorite ways to do it is I just start over this right. day one now it's one more item right and you keep the pattern of letting go going the slash game if you want to download the free calendar that you can print out and it actually keeps a tally of how many things you've gotten rid of throughout the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, before the added value segment, here's a lovely testimonial from one of our kind Patreon supporters, one of my favorites here. This one's from Catherine. She said, this episode, calendar clutter, will go down as one of my favorite episodes of the Minimalist Private Podcast. So we did a a calendar clutter episode. We talk Mm -hmm. about how we are so eager to clutter our calendars and say, yes, 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 until it's making us miserable. That was an outstanding episode. I really enjoyed it. She goes on to say, every minute was punctuated with nuggets of wisdom about time, obligation, how to find joy, and how being busy can become an excuse. I will be listening to this private episode many more times. Wow. Catherine, thank you so much. Thank you. For our added value segment this week, Ryan, I was trying to decide between, I have a a rather bipolar sort of. Taste in music. So I was driving in today, listening to the new 42 Doug and ESTG album. Yes. Don't worry, Danny. I'm not going to, that's not going to be our added value today. That's like a (laughs) sneaky extra added value for folks who want to dive into that. I was trying to get hype this morning before the podcast. (laughs) But in the evenings, I really like to calm down. And there's this new album I've been listening to by Jordan Kritz. The genre is. Classical crossover music. (laughs) I don't really know what that means. Me either. But it's like, it just feels like updated classical music. Oh, okay. Atmospheric, sort of. The album is called Novella, and the first track is the title track. So we'll play you out today with Novella from Jordan Critz. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week. Like, what are some things you can say to help encourage your aging parents to declutter with you while they are still alive what should I do with my mom's ashes talk about what Ryan and I did with my mom's ashes (laughs) your mom would have appreciated it oh totally (laughs) were there any generational items that you gave away that you regretted getting rid of and what are 20 different ways to start decluttering today? Plus, a million more questions for The Minimalist. And if you want to hear all that, check out The Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash Minimalists to subscribe and get your personal link so that our weekly private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You'll also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives, recordings of live events, exclusive home tours, and our community, private community, of thousands of open-minded minimalists like you. You can follow The Minimalist on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Minimalist. And if you want our podcast show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com. You just enter your email address right there at the top. We'll get you on the mailing list. On behalf of Ryan Nicodemus, Podcast Sean, Malabama, Jordan No More, Social Jess, Danny Unknown, Podcast Peter, Emma the Immigrant, and the rest of our team, I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. If you leave here today with Just one message. Let it be this. Love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all.
2: We'll see you next time.